guest right now, little Mark Cohn for the executive director of the OSA. It's Peter Weber, who's with me in studio. And Peter, I got to tell you, this is pretty awesome. You're my first in-studio guest in what feels like almost two years. How great is that? That's good stuff. I'm honored to be here. Oh, it's so good to see you. And I would imagine for you and your crew with the OSA, what a crazy year and a half it's been, right? Yeah, it's been nuts. It's uh, We're looking forward to some sense of normalcy uh, moving forward with this year. But you're right. The past 18 months, uh, we, we can move forward from that at any time. Well, speaking of the last 18 months, I want to ask you, now that you've come through it, and I know that we all like to look back and evaluate so we can get better moving forward, are you guys happy with how you were able to pull off a condensed schedule with a lot of different changes and moving parts over the last 18 months? Yeah, you know, obviously a ton of challenges. Uh, you know, the last 18 months, certainly this last school year, uh, I think the thing that we're most proud of is the fact that by the end of the year, and obviously we had truncated seasons and, and things were different, no doubt about it. We shifted up the schedule and, and those types of things. But by the end of the season, all of the activities that we sanctioned were able to go. Uh, and if you had asked me that during, during the year, uh, I don't know if I would have I thought that that would have been the case. So we were excited that that was able to happen. Obviously, we wish things could have been could have been different, um, you know, looking at things like state championships and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, participation is key and having the opportunity for kids to participate in all those different activities. I think that's our big takeaway from last year. And then as we move forward into this year, looking forward again to some some sense of normalcy. I was talking to somebody last week and they said, well, how are things looking? I said, well, we're doing fall sports in the fall. That's a good first step for us. So. <laughs> That's so great. Peter Weber, executive director of the OSAA, is with me in studio. He'll be here for the rest of the hour as we get you set for what appears to be a normal sports season coming our way in high school, which is terrific. Now, I want to ask you this. You and I have talked about this on the OSAA podcast. I think it'd be good for people to hear, but what are some things that you and your staff have learned over the last 18 months, different things that have popped up, maybe different things that you've learned as a director that you are able to say, you know what? That was an important lesson. We can apply this moving forward. What are some of those things for you guys? I think first and foremost is flexibility. You know, we had to do things a lot differently. Our schools, certainly students and coaches and and communities had to look at things and do things differently because of the pandemic and, and the requirements and mandates that were in place. So having some sense of flexibility, knowing that uh, doing things the way we've always done them is not not really in the cards anymore. Uh, and, and trying to work to provide those opportunities for kids, knowing that it's going to look different. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, but how do you keep, again, those things like participation, obviously safety at the forefront, moment, you know, trying to provide those opportunities wherever you can. So I think flexibility is probably the biggest thing. Um, and then I think, again, just that communication. Uh, it's always been important, but I think even more so now, communicating with our schools, communicating with the public, our schools communicating with each other, uh, you know, we had situations last year where, you know, one school in a county at that time may have been under different rules than a school in a different county. And that communication both, you know, between the schools, working with the officials coming to the game, certainly with the fans and players, all of that, it just kind of bumps it up a notch in terms of being critical to the success of the event. So I think those two things, flexibility and communication, are, are critical. I know you mentioned to me a few minutes ago that you had just spoken with 
um, a colleague in the biz that's over in Hawaii. And I, I remember Travis brought this up one time when you came on the show, and I, I found this to be fascinating, but yet very useful for you guys. What was it like as you connected with different schools, different athletic directors, different um, agencies across the country who were dealing with the same issues you were? You collaborate and you share ideas. What was that process like to learn what people were doing in other states that you might be able to apply here to have success with? Yeah, it was super helpful. You know, in years past, we belonged to the National Federation of State High Schools. So all 50 states plus the District of Columbia belong to that group. And it's an opportunity for us to work, as you said, with other states on issues, what's working in one state, steal ideas where we can, share ideas that are working here. And that, again, in this past 18 months, uh, you know, just took another step uh, up in importance. Having certainly at the start of the pandemic, we had, you know, every other week calls with all the directors in the West. So 10 or 12 other directors, Washington, California, Alaska, Hawaii, et cetera, talking about what are you hearing in your state? What is your state doing? How are you working with your governor's office, your health authority? What does that look like in your state? Um, maybe somebody did something in their state, tried something out and it worked. Okay, then the rest of us are going to try and, you know, make that happen here. Maybe it didn't work, so we're going to avoid that, maybe try something different. All of those conversations took place uh, certainly more frequently than they had in the past. And it was great to be able to share ideas, uh, you know, with them. Obviously, we're all in different situations. We're dealing with uh, different governors with different mandates from uh, the health authorities or, or public health or Department of Eds, depending on what's going on in your state. So, But having that as a sounding board, the same way I think that our schools are doing that, you know, when I talk with superintendents or principals or athletic directors, they're talking with schools in their, in their league, yeah. schools in their classification in their region. How are you dealing with this? This is what we're doing. It's working. It's not working. All of those things, I think, lead to better outcomes for kids, and that's what it's all about. How difficult is it for you guys, yourself, and the rest of your team at the OSAA? You're kind of a pressure point because you can only act based on the guidance and the directives you're given from the state and the governor's office, but you get pressure from schools. You've got pressure from the athletes, from the parents. What's it like to try and balance all of that out especially when it comes to communicating from people who are all wanting to go in a certain direction. And sometimes people get frustrated through that process. Yeah, absolutely. It's difficult. There's no doubt about it, but that's also, that's part of the job. I mean, that's what we signed up for uh, in, in terms of being involved with things that, that people are passionate about. I've said multiple times throughout the pandemic that I would be more concerned if people were apathetic about high school sports. Thankfully, we don't have that in this state. People are passionate about it and that's a positive. Uh, it, it was difficult at times, again, with that communication because just like schools and businesses need to follow what comes down from the governor's office and health authority, you know, we're bound by those same things. Now, at the same time, we're advocating, we're, you know, working with OHA, communicating with them, communicating with the Department of Ed and the governor's office staff, advocating for, you know, this past year, a return to sports. What can we do to, to mitigate things, to make it safe, et cetera, so that we can have those things? And as we said a few minutes ago, proud of the fact that we were able to offer all those activities last year. Uh, same thing as we move into this year, uh, new mandates from, from the state. Uh, what does that look like for schools? What does that look like for extracurricular activities? And how can we work within that and advocate for as much of a, a return to normal as possible? All right, here's what we're going to do over the next uh, 45 minutes. Peter Weber, the executive director of the OSA, is in the studio uh, we're going to focus in on the return of high school sports next. 
And then we're going to talk about the loss of officiating manpower. And this is critical for anyone out there that wants to be a volunteer. So we're going to focus on that. If you have questions for Peter, you can reach out and hit me up on Twitter at Chad and Rip City. You can also call the show at 503-248-0620. But today we focus in on all the details that you want to know. A lot of high school uh, football, basketball, baseball, all these fans out there and parents of kids right now who are active in their sports. So we're going to break it all down for you. I'm on Twitter, at Chad and Rip City. We'll talk with Spencer Davies at 420. We're going to talk about Lions head coach, who's now my new hero. And also, there's a potential trade that may or may not go down in the NBA, and I'm praying the Blazers are part of it. It sounds like it's going to be very large. So we'll get into that as well. you got the Rip City driver in your home of the Blazers, 620 Rip City Radio. It's Rip City Drive on 620 Rip City Radio. Brought to you by Lazy Boy. What's your strategy for comfort? All right, Rip City Drive. For hour number one, Peter Weber, Executive Director of the OSA, is in studio with me. And before we get to some details, I wanted to ask you, because it's different for everyone, but golf has been kind of my safe haven through the last 18 months. I've always enjoyed it, but, you know, COVID with the extra time and trying to find activities to do um, with social distancing, always a challenge for everyone. But I've, I've discovered golf, and it's like golf on steroids now, which is awesome. But for you, what did you and your family discover that you were able to have time and find some things to do together through this period? Yeah, for us, uh, Chad, we got, into, we got into pickleball a little bit as a family. So my wife and I have two boys, uh, uh, soon-to-be sophomore, soon-to-be seventh grader, and you know, we're pretty competitive family, like, like to get out and do some things. So, uh, that, you know, a lot of cornhole and stuff, but just something that you could do as a family and, and, you know, obviously be outside as much as possible. And for us, that's been great. Uh, you get the exercise, you get the family time and, uh, you know, you get to talk a little trash every once in a while too. So that's awesome. I had a gym teacher. His name was Don Freeman. He was a baseball coach at Prairie and he always wore the softball shorts. But what I liked is he always introduced new um, French sports and PE to us, uh, like Australian rules, football, pickleball was one of them. And I always enjoyed playing that, which was great. But the competition for you makes sense because you told me, um, eight siblings in your family, right? So you have four brothers, three sisters. That's right. Yeah. That's crazy competition, man. I bet you that was a house where you had to kind of fight to, you had to earn your respect, right? Nothing yeah. was going to be given to you. Yeah. Earn your respect and <laughs> eat fast. So you get food at the table. So, <laughs> That's great. Peter Weber's in studio. All right, let's focus on this with the return of high school sports, Peter, because I know people are excited about this. But um, when can the fall high school sports begin practicing? And I'm talking about football, volleyball, cross country, and soccer. So official practices start for the fall on August 16th, Monday the 16th. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, schools that you know this week are doing you know optional conditioning camps. They'll maybe do some team camps and stuff next week in advance of the official practices starting. Uh, but Monday, August 16th is when things kick off for the fall. Are there any limitations at all? Well, at this point, uh, again, the the state, as you know, uh, Governor Brown came out uh, in the last week or so with a mask mandate for K-12 schools. Uh, and, you know, when the governor comes out with her proclamations, then, you know, those of us in the positions like I'm in, we're waiting for the actual language that comes out from the Oregon Health Authority uh, and, and in this case, the Oregon Department of Ed as well. 
and trying to see what the nitty gritty says. And so as we worked through that with those entities, ODE and OHA, um, what was released yesterday by OHA for their guidance, uh, after school sports, extracurricular activities, uh, masks are not required for indoors. That's going to be left up to local schools to make that decision for what makes sense for their community. Uh, certainly outdoors, no mass requirements. Uh, so, you know, we talk about football, soccer, uh, cross country, those things are, are moving ahead uh, full steam. And then again, it'll be a local school decision uh, for indoors and what that looks like. Uh, but certainly, you know, all of those fall sports, including volleyball, able to proceed. So, Peter, what would you say in regards to those sports, your overall excitement level and being able to bring those sports back to their usual seasons of the year? Yeah, just super excited. Again, you know, we talked earlier about truncated seasons and things like that. We're looking at full seasons, uh, getting as many kids, you know, participating as possible. As we looked at participation numbers from last year, obviously the seasons were shorter. Uh, some of them are in different spots of the, of the school year as well. So our participation numbers have dropped off. So we're looking forward to getting more kids back out, participating, having that ability and that opportunity uh, to be around their peers, to be around coaches, to get all those benefits that come with being a part of high school activities, you know, learning how to be a part of a team, learning discipline, time management, uh, all of those things that, that really we believe in, that our schools and coaches believe in, and, and just looking forward to rolling those out again here uh, less than two weeks from now. What's been the message that you've received from coaches, parents, and players leading up to the fall season of the ones you've had a chance to talk to? Yeah, people want to play. You know, kids want to play. Parents want to awesome. see their kids play. Uh, coaches want to get out and coach their kids. Uh, so everybody, I think, is anxious to get back uh, to as much of normal as possible. Uh, certainly, you know, there's a lot of things uh, out there with the Delta variant and different things. But I think as we look ahead to starting here, uh, with our fall sports, we're super excited. Uh, we know our kids and our schools are excited and just looking to get back out there. That's really exciting. That's awesome. And I would imagine for uh, the kids, especially because when I went to my son's graduation a couple of, uh, uh, maybe a month and a half ago, he graduated from Columbia River over in uh, the Greater St. Helens League. You don't know until you hear it from somebody else, but once I heard the valedictorian speak and the teachers speak, and then you hear from the kids, you start to understand that, like, this is their 9-11 or that major event that had a tremendous impact on them. I didn't – I wasn't living it like they were every day, right? But you realize that for the kids to not be able to do those things that you just mentioned, then I started to feel the full weight of what that meant for my son and the restrictions with cross-country or track and the impact that it had on the kids. And I'm like, okay. I took a step back, and I was like, now I get it tremendous impact on them because they had to live it every day at school. Yeah. And I think it, what, to me, what that illustrates is the idea of everybody has their own experience of what they've gone through, what they're going through. And I don't know what yours is. You don't know what mine is. Um, and that's where I think that, that respect for everybody else, uh, understanding that somebody's going to, going to, uh, you know, want to do something a little bit differently than you. And that's fine as you're working through that, as we're all trying to be safe to provide those opportunities for kids, to provide those opportunities for coaches and communities to come together. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard, as you said, before you, you have that conversation or you have that interaction with people to understand where they're coming from in this, in this particular situation, how it impacted them. As you said, I know how it impacted myself, how it impacted my family, you know, people I work with, but I don't, I don't know what that means for people outside. Yeah. Uh, and certainly everybody brings, brings to it a different perspective. 
Peter Weber, director of the OSAA here on the Rip City Drive as we get ready for a brand new and uh, a regular fall sports season, which is going to be terrific. Now, one thing that is starting to create some concern is the Delta variant, and we're seeing um, some concern growing around the country. Obviously, we can't predict the future, but regardless of the changes, and you said you have to be flexible, are we, do you feel like or do you know that we're going to be able to get these sports played even if we have to make some adjustments along the way? Yeah, you know, I think we feel positive. Obviously, as I said before, having that flexibility is is going to be critical, and, and we all have to have that mindset nowadays, um, depending on what happens and where things go. But I think we're in a much better spot at this point where we're starting the school year, things are moving forward, we have these activities starting here on the 16th of August, uh, and we're starting from that standpoint as opposed to where we were a year ago at this time. You know, schools were all in person – or were all online, excuse me – um, and, it, and it was different. Uh, so I think, I think starting from where we're at puts us in a better perspective. But at the same time, you know as well as I do, uh, things could change and we'll have to roll with that as we go. Um, as of right now, what do you expect for fan attendance? Is it going to be full capacity? What's the guidelines on that? Yeah, you know, when the, when the state at the end of June, uh, you know, kind of got rid of their uh, indoor-outdoor sports guidance and the county risk levels and the capacity limits and things like that, basically that stuff gets put back on the counties. Um, at this point, I would say, you know, likely a, a fairly uh, normal return. As we mentioned before, you know, indoor sports, though it'll be a local school district decision in terms of masks or not like that. Um, but in terms of capacities, you know, there's not anything from the state saying you're limited to 50 people or 25 people like we had last year. How much change with that, not just with that, but with the sports, is it going to be pretty much as it is right now, the same across the entire state, or will it, again, will it vary based on counties, districts, and schools? So not, not based on counties, again, at this point, because that's not where the, where the guidance is. Um, in terms of the, the indoor mask potential, that's going to be a local school district decision as to what they want to do. But the, but the activity, for example, in the fall volleyball is, is still able, able to proceed. So even if a school made the decision that the best thing for their community was to require masks or require mass of spectators or what have you, uh, we're still playing volleyball at that point. Um, and then, you know, certainly the outdoor sports as well. So I think, you know, across the state in general, it'll be perhaps a little more consistent. Boy, for the kids, um, not just the participation and, and being able to learn how to be a part of, part of the team and stuff like that, but I would imagine being in person, just at school and around each other, right? Because a lot of uh, the things that I think the kids suffer from, at least from speaking to my kids, not having that, that interaction peer-to-peer, right? So not only do you get that on a team, but you also get that at school in the classroom. Yeah, that's, that's critical. I mean, you think of all the benefits you have, obviously being in the classroom with teachers and the subjects and all those types of things. But as you said, just that general interaction, that socialization with their peers, think about that for the development of, of, of a student, certainly the development for a student athlete when you talk about being out on the field or the court with their team and their teammates and their coaches learning from one another, you know, in, in terms of their development as human beings, that's important. I think for football, you know, football is such a big sport for all of us. Uh, you know, a lot of us grew up football fans. College football is huge. Um, the NFL is huge. But high school football, Friday Night Lights, there's something special about that, right? So to get that back in the state of Oregon, there's nothing like going out to the stadium in September, October, and just watching two high school teams go at it on the football field. Yeah, it's back to, we talked before about that passion, you know, that passion for, the people, the, the kids in your school, the coaches, the community, 
uh, coming together, the other community coming to your place and, and you're, you know, getting after it on the field and stuff. And I think that's where uh, that interaction, that socialization with the teams, you know, with the communities, it's, it's been a long stretch the last 18 months where we haven't seen a, a bunch of that. Uh, and you know, that'll, that'll take some getting used to, just like you said, getting back in the classroom for some kids. Uh, you know, I know some of them were back in the classroom last year, others for maybe a couple of days a week, but, but being back in the classroom, ideally five days a week for kids, um, that's going to be a significant change. I think a positive change for people, uh, as we move forward. Well, I didn't even think about that. If you go a full year plus without being in a classroom and then all of a sudden you're back in the classroom, like even though it's a positive change, that's still an adjustment, right? From going one way to all of a sudden going to another. I've noticed that here at work as people are starting to come back in. How nice it was. I forgot how much I miss people being able to see people face-to-face or to work with my partner in the same studio. Um, just that interaction. Like, I know the impact it has on me, but that is an adjustment, a positive adjustment for the kids. I agree. And, and, and I think our, our students have shown, and it hasn't been easy, but they've shown throughout this you know past 18 months or so, Tremendous resilience, tremendous grit as they work through that and the changes. I know, again, talking about my own kids, the different schedules going from online to two days a week. And what does that look like? And all the different interactions, getting used to Zooms and, you know, those types of things. And knowing that they're looking forward, you know, to getting back in the classroom five days a week and and moving forward. And, you know, it's placed a lot of stress on families to not have kids in school. But for me, and I, would imagine probably the same for you, a great teaching moment with my kids because isn't that how the world works, right? Like you're going to have to face challenges and there's going to be times when things don't go the way that you plan and you've got to be able to adapt and adjust on the fly and continue to press forward. And maybe that's long-term will be a value that these kids who have had to go through this will learn and maybe they'll be better because of it, right? Yeah, certainly. I think that's a hope, you know, that, that we all share uh, that, that coming out of, you know, a lot of negatives over the past 18 months. That some of the pauses that could be could be found are things like that, that resilience of knowing that, hey, as you said, things may not always go your way. There's going to be roadblocks put, put in front of you. You need to adjust. You need to adapt. You need to be able to move forward and, and stay positive as best you can. All right. Peter Weber, OSAA, is hanging out with me in the studio right now as we prepare for a regular fall high school sports schedule, which is going to be awesome. Now, one thing we've got to talk about is the lack of manpower you have right now with officials. And we've been running promos on the station. You and I have talked about it on the podcast, the need for volunteers for different sports across the entire state. So I guess right now, just tell us how much you're lacking in terms of official manpower. Yeah. So officials obviously are critical to the success of those contests is, as we look at it in a normal year, you know, maybe 10%, 15% attrition from officials as, you know, maybe older veterans move out and we're trying to get younger people in or what have you. Um, in 2019-20, we had almost 3,500 officials across all the, the seven sports that have officials in the state. As we looked at 2021, that number dropped down to 2,500. Uh, so a significant drop in, you know, certain sports, a sport like wrestling, um, you know, dropped 40% of its officials. Basketball was down about 40%. Volleyball, a third drop. So, you know, having having those officials and knowing that, you know, with the truncated season last year, there were less contests, there were less opportunities to work games, you know, to, to earn that money, those types of things. So we saw some people, plus obviously uh, concerns about COVID and, and that type of stuff. 
um, we saw less officials come out. Uh, we've really been trying to press that hard as we gear up, you know, for football, soccer, uh, and volleyball uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks, obviously cross country as well. But thinking specifically about officials, trying to promote that, it's a, it's a great way to stay involved with a sport or a game that you've been passionate about your, your whole life. It's a great way to earn money. You know, officials, you know, they make pretty decent money uh, when they're working these games. They can work, obviously, multiple games in a week, uh, depending on their schedules and things like that. It's a great way, as we talked before, about that camaraderie, that socialization of being together with other people who are interested in some of the things that you're interested in, being around the coaches, being around the players, uh, obviously staying active as well. So all of those things are benefits to being an official at the high school level, and certainly it's something that we need in order to have those contests. All right, so – Walk me through the process, because I think there are a lot of people out there right now who they have an interest in it, but they're thinking, I've never been an official. I wouldn't know where to start or how to do the job. So I know you've told me before that you provide some training in the process. So walk me through, if I applied, how would that work from point A up until the end when you are ready to work? Yeah, so you'd start by going to the website, osaa.org slash officials. There's registration buttons there so you can register and get involved. Each of the local areas for the different sports has what we call local officials associations. So there's a Portland volleyball officials, there's uh, Portland soccer officials, et cetera, uh, up here in our area and all throughout the state, you know, uh, Salem baseball, Eugene softball, all those types of things. Uh, so when you register, we'll get you paired up with that local association that fits with your geographic area. Uh, and then they're the group as an independent contractor, they're the group that works with you, provides training get you out there. They're not going to put somebody who's brand new out on a big 6A varsity volleyball match right off the get. You know, that's not going to happen. But they're going to train you up. And typically, they'll try and put you with a mentor or a veteran official so they can kind of work you through that. They'll coach you up on the rules. All those types of things are put in place in order to provide success for the official as well as obviously for for the schools involved in the contest. So anybody who's interested in getting involved, just encourage you to reach out. Go to the website, get registered. Uh, there's a bunch of information on the website that, that can take you through that. Uh, but we want to make sure that the officials have a good experience as well. Uh, so we're not going to put somebody out there that, that's not prepared to do it. That's terrific. And you've had officials that have been doing it for years, right? Like you've got some veterans that have been around, they enjoy it, and they continue, continue to do it year after year after year. Yeah, and what we saw last year too, again, the, the shortened seasons, less officials, schools trying to get obviously as many games as possible in uh, to provide those opportunities for kids. We saw a lot of officials, you know, I know we have a couple of officials in our office working almost every night of the week. I mean, the the games were there for them to do if they wanted to. That can, you know, put a physical toll on people. So the fact that we have longer seasons, uh, ideally we'll have more officials, it'll be the opportunity um, that that can fit in with your schedule. You know, if, if it works for your schedule, uh, to do games, you know, later in the evening or games on the weekend or what have you, those things, you know, that's when you're working with your local officials association to make that happen. Here's why I've always been afraid to become an official and volunteer for the OSAA. What if I did the job and then I realized how difficult it was? I, it might change the way that I criticize the NBA refs when they're screwing Portland. You know, when the Blazers aren't getting the calls, I might be like, well, it's a tough job. You know, we got to be patient with these guys. I don't know if I can live in that space, Peter. You know, there's, <laughs> there's definitely a level of perspective that goes with that. Anybody who's ever done, uh, who's ever refereed a game or officiated a contest, uh, you know, when, when the ball crosses the plate and you're the one that's got to say ball oh. or strike and, you know, all those types of things or whatever the sport may be, it, uh, 
it definitely gives you a different perspective on it. But again, I think that whole idea of the opportunity to, to, to make some additional money, uh, to be around, you know, others that are interested in, you know, similar interests that you have, you know, be involved in the sports, stay in shape. All of those are positives uh, about getting involved with officiating. Can you imagine that, Stephen? I become a volunteer and become an official and start to understand how difficult it is. And then when Scott Foster makes a bad call that screws Portland out of a big time game, I'm like, we got to be patient with uh, Scott. You know, I mean, it's a fast game. It's hard to officiate. I totally understand why Scott <laughs> called that foul. I can see it now. You'd be taking coffee breaks at halftime. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You are listening to the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on 620 Rip City Radio. Brought to you by Lazy Boy. What's your strategy for comfort? Well, I just found out that Peter and I are sharing a similar experience. I took Isaac to another driving class this morning as he's close to finishing up uh, his traffic traffic safety class, which means, heaven forbid, he's going to be getting his driver's license here real soon. Your son is doing the same thing? He is, yeah. He's oh. been doing it the last few weeks, yeah. Uh, classes on Zoom and then some driving lessons, too. So Same. I, uh, I will say this, and I can say it with confidence now. You have not lived life until you're in the passenger seat of your vehicle with your teenage son driving. Because, Peter, when I'm driving... I'm just listening to music. I'm thinking about nonsense, whatever. When Isaac is driving and I'm in the passenger seat, I'm worried about everything that's going on around us. I'm like, there's so many things that could go wrong right now. It's such a different experience. It definitely is. No, it definitely is. So uh, grabbing the handles and, and you know, nervousness and anxiety. But it's also, you know, as a parent, it, as you were saying, it's fun to, fun to go through that experience with your kids and, and see that. And uh, we'll get through it. Yes. And there is freedom on the other end at some point where instead of becoming a chauffeur service, like I have been for quite some time, he can go and take off and do what he needs to do without me there. So I did get in touch with my insurance agent just to investigate the uh, difference in cost when he does get his license. That was not a friendly conversation. There's no way around it. No, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. <laughs> All right. We got to talk about this. I, I, you, I didn't know what it was. I think I knew what it was, but you helped it kind of click inside of my mind. I was out playing golf yesterday at the Oregon Golf Club, and I I was having a difficulty getting a nice full breath without feeling some weirdness. And then I realized that it was hazy yesterday. And you just pointed out that there is smoke, and the air quality around the state is different, which can impact certain areas and certain schools in terms of practice. So what are you noticing right now in terms of air quality? Yeah, so, you know, about – Five or six years ago, we worked with our schools to put in an air quality policy, you know, working with the Oregon Health Authority and uh, their people that, that, are, that are focused on that in terms of when we see these fires around the state and then the smoke that results from them, what does that look like for the safety of the kids outdoors or in some cases even indoors, depending on the ventilation coming in? Um, and you get to a certain level, as you mentioned yesterday with, with playing golf, you get to a certain level where it's just not healthy for them to be outside and exercising at that capacity. So, you know, it's something we monitor as part of our policy schools monitor it as well. Uh, you know, so just looking at it here the last couple of weeks is obviously the fires in Southern Oregon. We've seen a couple spread out in different areas, uh, Central and Eastern Oregon, those types of things. And we're seeing, you know, more issues with smoke, those air quality levels, uh, those, those issues, you know, rising, uh, which can impact the ability 
for, you know, schools to be out there participating outside. So it's just something that, again, is always kind of on our mind at this time of year. Obviously, we, we you know, want people to be safe and, and healthy as they're participating. When it gets to a certain level, they need to shut those things down. Well, I'm praying we can make it through this. I don't remember a time, and I've been out here since 87, where we've had this long of a stretch of heat and dry. Like, it's day after day after day. And every time I look at the uh, 10-day forecast, it's more of the same. I haven't seen anything like this. And so if it's dry here and across the state, that means we're we're in that danger area. So hopefully nothing else will break out. Yeah, hopefully that will be the case. You know, just in the past couple of years, we're on – now weekly phone calls this time of year, listening in with the fire experts around the state, what's happening at this fire, what are they seeing, what's the containment, just to be able to listen in so that we have that information in terms of working with our schools and being able to provide that. They, they monitor the, the Oregon Air app that shows that air quality index for different parts of the state and looking at that throughout the day to see what happens. We had it come up, you know, certainly last year with all the fires that we saw in the fall, if we had been playing, you know, uh, sport, high school sports at that time, there would have been a lot of cases where things had to shut down. We've seen that in some instances in past years as well. Um, and again, hopefully, hopefully things will not uh, take any, any more turns for the worse. What are some things that you missed out on over the last 18 months that you're looking forward to getting a chance to do again now that we're returning to normal? Meaning, you know, the OSAAs had to kind of, in a different mode to deal with COVID, but that takes away from some of the other things that you would normally get a chance to do. What are some of those things? You mean like work stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for example, this next week, uh, every year we go out and do administrator workshops for all the athletic directors in the state. Uh, And obviously last year we did those online and uh, we still provide that option, but we're headed out next week to some different parts of the state uh, to put those on in person. We'll get to see a lot of people in person that we haven't seen for a long time. We met with our executive board here back towards the end of July uh, in person for the first time since uh, February of 2020. Uh, You know, I was at a board meeting last night uh, for Sport Oregon, uh, the group that promotes uh, sports and tourism in in Oregon. That was their first in-person meeting uh, since December of 2019. Uh, So getting a chance to to be in person with people and, and have that experience, again, it's it's different, but um, just having that opportunity is something that we look forward to, that that face-to-face interaction that we talked about earlier. You get a chance to see Jim? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Yeah, it's amazing you look back. I remember, I think you, I was talking to you on the phone not too long ago, and you said that you were heading down to, I don't know, Ashland or some school where you had a chance to present something, and it was kind of exciting for you because you hadn't been out in the field in a long time. Yeah, so that was actually, talking about the fires, that was last fall, we were, I drove down to, to Phoenix and, and went to uh, McKenzie and San Diego as well. We presented checks to those schools in support of, you know, their efforts after the fires and getting a chance to, to drive down to Phoenix. They just built a brand new school that they hadn't yet been in That's because cool. of the fires. And it would be nice to be down there then for that. Absolutely. No, it was great. Again, to see people, to be able to support them in their recovery efforts and uh, doing the same thing at, you know, did those at McKenzie at San Diego as well. Uh, just great to get out and see people, you know, looking forward to more of that here in the coming year. I mean, most people here have seen the logo OSAA, the Oregon State uh, Activities Association. But if someone asks you, like, what, what do you guys do? What is it you guys do? How do you answer that? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's an interesting question. We do a lot of different things. I think for us, our our goal is to uh, promote and help provide opportunities for kids to participate. Uh, that's our number one goal. 
We want to make sure that we're providing that opportunity. We feel so strongly about education-based activities that you have coaches working with kids, kids having responsibility for getting it done in the classroom in order to be able to participate, coaches who are certified, who have that course instruction, those things that we want them to have, the character development that comes with being a part of high school activities, all of those things woven together and working to provide those opportunities as best we can for the kids in the state. That's great. Um, I think we pretty much hit on everything we wanted to hit on. Anything else you want to get out? No, I just, again, I really appreciate you having me in. Uh, great to see you in person. And as we said, you know, a few times, we're looking forward to starting things up August 16th, uh, cross-country football, soccer, and volleyball, and, and getting those things rolling. All right, a couple of questions for you before we go. Number one, you are a big Mark Cohn fan. I think he has some great music. What, what's the best concert you've seen live? One that you look back on and thought, man, that was a great show. You know, I saw him live. That was pretty good. Uh, uh, here in Portland? Yeah, here in Portland. That was, that was a number of years ago. That was that was pretty good. Um, I'm not a huge music guy, so not not a ton of concerts over, over my time. You've got someone in common with you, oh, Steven. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Steven's not a huge music guy. Yeah, I, I told Chad a little bit ago, a couple, maybe like a month or two ago, I've never been to an actual live concert. He's never been to an actual and live his concert. his mind was blown. Yeah, my mind was blown. I was like, what? You've never been to a concert? But he hasn't, which was interesting. Now, we also learned today that uh, head coach of the Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell, um, he's a big-time coffee drinker, 80 ounces a day? Yeah, that's uh, that's the rumor. That's what he says. So He says he consumes 80 ounces a day. That's insane. But are you a coffee drinker? What's your beverage of choice in the morning when you get up? Do you have one? I do not. I'm a, I'm a water guy. I do not drink coffee. Never, never have. Yeah, for me, you and Peter might be. I think we might, we might be best friends. I don't know. My wife coaches track, so you know she's a head track coach at Clackamas High School. So yeah, his yeah. wife is the head track coach at Clackamas High School. All right. Yeah, there we may go. we may be best friends. I don't know. What what were some of the biggest challenges for your wife over the last eighteen months? I think for her it was more because she is a uh, she feeds off of the off the kids. Like that's yeah. how she gets. That's what she gets off. Like she loves it. She just. Loves seeing the kids and loves helping the kids out. And so not being there for them and not seeing them just participate. She's all about participation, all about team, all about, you know, unity. She wants to bring all that, you know, all the tra- tradition back to schools, back to back to the high school. So she went to Clackamas and now she's trying to bring that back, you know, be a Cavalier for life type of thing. And so just to see that and then have these kids, like when COVID knocked it out and canceled the season 2020 and like she had to call these kids on the phone and say, the season's canceled and to see her just bawling yeah. and like, it just, you could see it affected her because she knows how important it is for those kids just to participate and have fun in, in these sports. And so to miss it for a whole year was just so heartbreaking for everybody. So to have it come back, it's unbelievable because it does mean a lot to these kids and to the coaches because she cares and the coaches care a lot. And that's, that's what I've learned just watching these coaches. Like they do care about the kids and they want to see the kids succeed. Well, if you have any other questions, you can always check out the website, osa.org. Uh, when we come back, we'll hear from Dan Campbell, and then we'll talk uh, hoop with Spencer Davies at 420. The executive director of the OSA, Peter Weber, in studio with me, Peter. we got to do this again sometime real soon. It's been awesome. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks again for having me, Chad. All right. Stay locked in. You can hit me up, 503-248-0620 on Twitter, at Chad and Rib City. Get the Rib City Drive. Yeah.